chapter eleven part one of the life of washington volume three by john marshall this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eleven part one farther state of affairs in the beginning of the year seventeen eighty one measures of mr morris the superintendent of finances designs of general washington against new york count rochambeau marches to the north river intelligence from the count de grasse plan of operations against lord cornwallis naval engagement the combined armies march for the chesapeake yorktown invested surrender of lord cornwallis seventeen eighty one the deep gloom which had enveloped the prospects of america in the commencement of the year which darkened for a time in the south had also spread itself over the north the total incompetency of the political system adopted by the united states to their own preservation became every day more apparent state of affairs at the beginning of the year seventeen eighty one each state seemed fearful of doing too much and of taking upon itself a larger portion of the common burden than was borne by its neighbor the resolutions of congress had called for an army of thirty-seven thousand men to be encamped by the first of january had this requisition been made in time it is not probable that so large a force could have been brought into the field but it was made late and then the difficulties and delays on the part of the several states exceeded every reasonable calculation the regular force drawn from pennsylvania to georgia inclusive at no time during this active and interesting campaign amounted to three thousand effective men and the states from new hampshire to new jersey inclusive so late as the month of april had furnished only five thousand infantry of these the returns for that month exhibit in the northern department less than three thousand effectives the cavalry and artillery at no time amounted to one thousand men this small army was gradually and slowly augmented so as in the month of may to exhibit a total of near seven thousand men of whom rather more than four thousand might have been relied on for action the prospects for the campaign were rendered still more unpromising by the failure of supplies for the support of the troops the long-expected clothing from europe had not arrived and the want of provisions furnished a still more serious cause of alarm after congress had come to the resolution of emitting no more bills on the credit of the continent the duty of supplying the army with provisions necessarily devolved on the states who were required to furnish certain specified articles for the subsistence of the troops according to a ratio established by the federal government these requisitions had been neglected to such a degree as to excite fears that the soldiers must be disbanded from the want of food to increase the general embarrassment the quartermaster department was destitute of funds and unable to transport provisions or other stores from place to place but by means of impressment supported by a military force this measure had been repeated especially in new york until it excited so much disgust and irritation among the people that the commander-in-chief was under serious apprehensions of actual resistance to his authority while in this state of deplorable imbecility intelligence from every quarter announced increasing dangers information was received that an expedition was preparing in canada against fort pitt 
to be conducted by sir john johnston and colonel Connolly, and it was understood that many in the country threatened with invasion were ready to join the british standard the indians too had entered into formidable combinations endangering the whole extent of the western frontier in addition to these alarming circumstances some vessels had arrived at crown point from canada with information that three thousand men had been assembled on the lakes for the purpose of attempting once more an invasion from that quarter this information though unfounded was believed to be true and was at that critical moment the more alarming because a correspondence of a criminal nature had just been discovered between some persons in albany and in canada a letter intercepted by general schuyler and clinton stated the disaffection of particular settlements the provision made in those settlements for the subsistence of an invading army and their readiness to join such army this intelligence from the northern frontier derived increased interest from the ambiguous conduct observed by the inhabitants of that tract of country which now constitutes the state of vermont they had settled lands within the chartered limits of new york under grants from the governor of new hampshire and had early in the war declared themselves independent and exercised the powers of self-government the state of new york however still continuing to assert her claim of sovereignty the controversy on this delicate subject had become so violent as to justify the apprehension that in the opinion of the people of vermont the restoration of british authority was an evil not of greater magnitude than the establishment of that of new york the declaration was openly made that if not admitted into the union as an independent state they held themselves at liberty to make a separate peace and some negotiations had been commenced which were believed to manifest a disposition in vermont to abandon the common cause of america accustomed to contemplate all public events which might grow out of the situation of the united states and to prepare for them while at a distance the american chief was not depressed by this state of american affairs with a mind happily tempered by nature and improved by experience those fortunate events which had occasionally brightened the prospects of his country never relaxed his exertions or lessened his precautions nor could the most disastrous state of things drive him to despair although entirely uncertain what operation he might be enabled to undertake during the approaching campaign he had adopted such preparatory steps as might enable him to turn to advantage any fortunate incident which might occur in consequence of conferences previously held with the comte de rochambeau for the purpose of digesting a system adapted to contingent events orders were transmitted to that officer directing him to be in readiness to march as large a body of the french troops to the north river as could be spared from the protection of the fleet early in may the comte de bras who had been appointed to the command of the french fleet stationed on the american coast arrived in boston accompanied by the viscount de rochambeau and brought the long-expected information from the cabinet of versailles respecting the naval armament designed to act in the american seas twenty ships of the line to be commanded by the comte de grasse were destined for the west indies twelve of which were to proceed to the continent of america and might be expected to arrive in the month of july designs of general washington against new york an interview between general washington and the comte de rochambeau immediately took place at wethersfield in which it was determined to unite the troops of france to those of america on the hudson and to proceed against new york 
the regular army at that station was estimated at four thousand five hundred men and though it was understood that sir henry clinton would be able to reinforce it with five or six thousand militia it was believed that the post could not be maintained without recalling a considerable part of the troops from the south in which event the allied army might be employed advantageously in that part of the union the prospect of expelling the british from new york roused the northern states from that apathy into which they appeared to be sinking and vigorous measures were taken to fill their regiments yet those measures were not completely successful in the month of june when the army took the field and encamped at peekskill its effective numbers did not exceed five thousand men such was the american force in the north with which the campaign in seventeen eighty one was opened it fell so far short of that on which the calculations had been made at wethersfield as to excite serious doubts respecting the propriety of adhering to the plan there concerted although some compensation was made for this deficiency on the part of the states by the arrival of a reinforcement of fifteen hundred men to the army of rochambeau under convoy of a fifty-gun frigate to supply even this army with provisions required much greater exertions than had ever been made since the system of requisitions had been substituted for that of purchasing the hope of terminating the war produced these exertions the legislatures of the new england states took up the subject in earnest and passed resolutions for raising the necessary supplies but until these resolutions could be executed the embarrassments of the army continued and for some time after the troops had taken the field there was reason to apprehend either that the great objects of the campaign must be relinquished for want of provisions or that coercive means must still be used new england not furnishing flour this important article was to be drawn from new york new jersey and pennsylvania the two first states were much exhausted and the application to pennsylvania did not promise to be very successful on this subject therefore serious fears existed these were removed in a great degree by the activity and exertions of an individual superintendent of finances appointed the management of the finances had been lately committed to mr robert morse a delegate to congress from the state of pennsylvania this gentleman united considerable political talents to a degree of mercantile enterprise information and credit seldom equal in any country he had accepted this arduous appointment on the condition of being allowed the year seventeen eighty one to make his arrangements during which time the department was to be conducted by those already employed with the resources which government could command but the critical state of public affairs and the pressing wants of the army furnished irresistible motives for changing his original determination and entering immediately on the duties of his office the occasion required that he should bring his private credit in aid of the public resources and pledge himself personally and extensively for articles of absolute necessity which could not be otherwise obtained condemning the system of violence and of legal fraud which had too long been practised as being calculated to defeat its own object he sought the gradual restoration of confidence by the only means which could restore it a punctual and faithful compliance with his engagements herculean as was this task in the existing derangement of american finances he entered upon it courageously and if not completely successful certainly did more than could have been supposed possible with the means placed in his hands it is in no inconsiderable degree to be attributed to him that the very active and decisive operations of the campaign were not impeded perhaps defeated by a failure of the means for transporting military stores and feeding the army on determining to enter on the duties of his office mr morris laid before congress the plan of a national bank 
whose notes were to be receivable from the respective states as specie into the treasury of the united states congress gave its full approbation to this beneficial institution and passed an ordinance for its incorporation important as was this measure to the future operations of the army a contract entered into with the state of pennsylvania was of still more immediate utility after furnishing flour to relieve the wants of the moment on his private credit mr morris proposed to take on himself the task of complying with all the specific requisitions made on pennsylvania and to rely for a reimbursement on the taxes imposed by law to be collected under his direction this proposition being accepted the contract was made and supplies which the government found itself unable to furnish were raised by an individual Chambeau marches to the north river as the french troops approached the north river intelligence was received that a large detachment from new york had made an incursion into jersey under appearances indicating an intention not to return immediately this being thought a favorable moment for gaining the posts on the north end of york island a plan was formed for seizing them by a coup de main general washington fixed on the night of the second of july for making the attempt it being supposed that the Comte de rochambeau might join the american army at kingsbridge by that time an aide-de-camp was therefore dispatched to meet that officer with letters explaining the enterprise and requesting him to meet the commander-in-chief at the time and place appointed with the proposed attack on these works an attempt to cut off some light troops stationed on the outside of kingsbridge at morrisania under the command of colonel delaney was to be combined this part of the plan was to be executed by the duke de lazan to whose legion sheldon's dragoons and a small body of continental troops dispersed on the lines under the command of general waterbury were to be added on the part of the americans all that could contribute to the success of this enterprise was done a strong detachment commanded by general lincoln which fell down the river in boats with muffled oars reached its ground undiscovered on the night of the first of july and the army conducted by general washington marched to valentine's hill the next day lincoln perceived that the detachment had returned from jersey that the british were encamped in great force on the north end of the island and that a ship of war watched the landing-place these unexpected obstacles having defeated the design upon the works he proceeded to execute his eventual orders of cooperation with the duke de lazan these were after landing above spike and devil creek to march to the high ground in front of kingsbridge and there conceal his detachment until the attack on delaney's corps should commence the duc de lauzan did not arrive and the return of day betrayed lincoln a british corps advanced upon him on hearing which general washington put his troops in motion and on his approach the british troops retired into the island both parts of the plan having thus failed the army retreated to dobbs ferry where it was joined by the comte de rochambeau on the sixth of july the thanks of the commander-in-chief were given to that officer in general orders for the unremitting zeal with which he had proceeded to form his so long wished-for junction with the american army and he was requested to convey to the officers and soldiers under his command the grateful sense which the general entertained of the cheerfulness with which they had performed so long and laborious a march at so hot a season the utmost exertions were made for the grand enterprise against new york but as the execution of any plan that could be formed depended on events which were uncertain the commander-in-chief directed his attention to other objects to be pursued if that which was most desirable should prove unattainable should the siege of new york become unadvisable his views were turned to virginia 
the carolinas and georgia early in august the apprehension that he should be unable to accomplish his favorite object began to influence his conduct letters from the marquis de lafayette announced that a large portion of the troops in virginia were embarked and that their destination was believed to be new york intelligence from the camp de grace this intelligence induced him to turn his attention more seriously to the south but to conceal from sir henry clinton this eventual change of plan his arrangements were made secretly and the preparations for acting against new york were continued a reinforcement from europe of near three thousand men induced sir henry clinton to countermand the orders he had given to lord cornwallis to detach a part of the army in virginia to his aid and also to direct that nobleman to take a strong position on the chesapeake from which he might execute the designs meditated against the states lying on that bay so soon as the storm which threatened the british power for the moment should blow over in a few days after the arrival of this reinforcement the camp de barras gave general washington the interesting information that de grasse was to have sailed from cape francis for the chesapeake on the third of august with from twenty five to twenty nine ships of the line having on board three thousand two hundred soldiers and that he had made engagements with the officers commanding the land and naval forces of spain in the west indies to return to those seas by the middle of october this intelligence manifested the necessity of determining immediately and positively on the object against which the combined forces should be directed the shortness of the time appropriated by de grasse for his continuance on the american coast the apparent unwillingness of the naval officers to attempt to force a passage into the harbor of new york and the failure of the states to comply with the requisitions which had been made on them for men decided in favor of operations to the south and lafayette was requested to make such a disposition of his army as should be best calculated to prevent lord cornwallis from saving himself by a sudden march to charleston conformably to the intelligence communicated by the count de barras the count de grasse arrived in the chesapeake late in august with twenty-eight ships of the line and several frigates at cape henry he found an officer dispatched by lafayette with full intelligence of the situation of the armies in virginia lord cornwallis had collected his whole force at yorktown and gloucester point which he was fortifying assiduously and the marquis had taken a position on james river in consequence of this information four ships of the line and several frigates were detached to block up the mouth of york river and convey the land forces brought from the west indies under the command of the marquis de st simon up the james to join lafayette who on receiving this reinforcement took post at williamsburg in the meantime the fleet lay at anchor just within the capes on the twenty fifth of august the comte de barras sailed from newport for the chesapeake rodney was apprised of the destination of de grasse but seems not to have suspected that the whole fleet would sail for the continent of america supposing therefore that a part of his squadron would be sufficient to maintain an equality of naval force in the american seas he detached sir samuel hood to the continent with only fourteen sail of the line that officer arrived at sandy hook on the twenty eighth of august admiral greaves who had succeeded arbuthnot in the command of the fleet on the american station lay in the harbor of new york with seven ships of the line only five of which were fit for service on the day that hood appeared and gave information that de grasse was probably on the coast intelligence was also received that de barras had sailed from newport 
the ships fit for sea were ordered out of the harbor and greaves with the whole fleet consisting of nineteen sail of the line proceeded in quest of the french not suspecting the strength of de grasse he hoped to fall in with one or the other of their squadrons and to fight it separately early in the morning of the fifth of september while the french fleet lay at anchor just within the chesapeake the british squadron was descried orders were immediately given by de grasse to form the line and put to sea about four in the afternoon the action commenced between the headmost ships and continued until sunset several ships were much damaged but neither admiral could claim the victory for five successive days the hostile fleets continued within view of each other after which de grasse returned to his former station within the capes at his anchorage ground he found de barras with the squadron from newport and fourteen transports laden with heavy artillery and military stores proper for carrying on a siege the british admiral approaching the capes found the entrance of the chesapeake defended by a force with which he was unable to contend and therefore bore away for new york plan of operations against lord cornwallis general washington had determined to entrust the defence of the hudson to general heath and to command the southern expedition in person all the french and a detachment amounting to upwards of two thousand men from the continental army were destined for this service on the nineteenth of august hazen's regiment and the jersey line were directed to pass the hudson at dobbs ferry and take a position between springfield and chatham where they were to cover some bakehouses to be constructed in the neighbourhood for the purpose of veiling the real designs of the american chief and of exciting fears for staten island the combined armies marched for the chesapeake on the same day the whole army was put in motion and on the twenty fifth the passage of the river was completed to conceal as long as possible the real object of this movement the march of the army was continued until the thirty first in such a direction as to keep up fears for new york and a considerable degree of address was used to countenance the opinion that the real design was against that place the letters which had been intercepted by sir henry clinton favoured this deception and so strong was the impression they made that even after it became necessary for the combined army to leave the route leading down the hudson he is stated to have retained his fears for new york and not to have suspected the real object of his adversary until he had approached the delaware and it had become too late to obstruct the progress of the allied army towards virginia he then resolved to make every exertion in his power to relieve lord cornwallis and in the meantime to act offensively in the north september sixth an expedition was planned against new london in connecticut and a strong detachment under the command of general arnold was embarked on board a fleet of transports which landed early in the morning of the sixth of september on both sides of the harbour about three miles from the town new london is a seaport town on the west side of the thames a fort called fort trumbull and a redoubt had been constructed just below it on the same side of the river and opposite to it on groton hill was fort griswold a strong square fortification but not fully manned general arnold who commanded in person the troops that landed on the western side of the harbour advanced immediately against the posts on that side these being untenable were evacuated on his approach and he took possession of them with inconsiderable loss to prevent the escape of the vessels up the river lieutenant-colonel eyre who commanded the division which landed on the groton side of the harbour had been ordered to storm fort griswold which had been represented to arnold as too incomplete to make any serious resistance but the place being of some strength and the approach to it difficult colonel ledyard who commanded it with a garrison of one hundred and sixty men determined to defend it 
on his refusing to surrender the british assaulted it on three sides and overcoming the difficulties opposed to them made a lodgment on the ditch and phrased work and entered the embrasures with charged bayonets further resistance being hopeless the action ceased on the part of the americans and colonel ledyard delivered his sword to the commanding officer of the assailants irritated by the obstinacy of the defence and the loss sustained in the assault the british officer on whom the command had devolved tarnished the glory of victory by the inhuman use he made of it instead of respecting with the generous spirit of a soldier the gallantry which he had subdued he indulged the vindictive feelings which had been roused by the slaughter of his troops in the account given of this affair by governor trumbull to general washington he says the sword presented by colonel ledyard was immediately plunged into his bosom and the carnage was kept up until the greater part of the garrison was killed or wounded in this fierce assault colonel eyre was killed and major montgomery the second in command also fell as he entered the american works the total loss of the assailants was not much less than two hundred men the town of new london and the stores contained in it were consumed by fire to escape the odium which invariably attends the wanton destruction of private property this fire was attributed to accident but all the american accounts unite in declaring it to have been intentional september sixth the march of general washington was not arrested by this excursion into new england having made the arrangements for the transportation of his army down the chesapeake he proceeded in person to virginia attended by the comte de rochambeau and the chevalier de chatelot and on the fourteenth of september reached williamsburg accompanied by rochambeau chatelot knox and du portaille he immediately repaired to the fleet and a plan of cooperation was adjusted on board the ville de paris conforming to his wish in every respect except that the camp de grasse declined complying with the proposition to station some of his ships in the river above yorktown thinking it too hazardous while the close investment of the british army was delayed only until the troops from the north should arrive serious apprehensions were excited that the brilliant results confidently anticipated from the superiority of the land and naval forces of the allies would be put in imminent hazard information was received that a reinforcement of six ships of the line under admiral digby had reached new york confident that the british fleet thus augmented would attempt everything for the relief of lord cornwallis de grasse expected to be attacked by a force not much inferior to his own thinking his station within the chesapeake unfavorable for a naval combat he designed to change it and communicated to general washington his intention to leave a few frigates to block up the mouths of james and york rivers and to put to sea with his fleet in quest of the british if they should not have left the harbor of new york he proposed to block them up in that place supposing that his operations in that quarter would be of more service to the common cause than his remaining in the bay an idle spectator of the siege of york the commander-in-chief was much alarmed at this communication should the admiral put to sea the winds and many accidents might prevent his return to the chesapeake during his absence a temporary naval superiority might be acquired by the british in those waters and the army of lord cornwallis might be placed in perfect security the movement would expose to the caprice of fortune an object of vast importance which was now reduced almost to certainty the admiral was therefore entreated to preserve his station fortunately the wishes of the general prevailed and the admiral consented to relinquish those plans of active enterprise which his thirst for military glory had suggested and to maintain a station which the american general deemed so conducive to the interests of the allies september twenty five on the twenty fifth of september the last division of the allied troops arrived in james river and were disembarked at the landing near williamsburg soon after which the preparations for the siege were completed End of chapter 11 part 1